Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. This week on Homeopathy for Mommies, Sue interviews homeopath and filmmaker Ananda Moore. She has a background in theater where she embraced all crafts, including writing, directing, and acting, inspired by her own seemingly miraculous cure from a lifetime of depression by using homeopathy, Ananda decided to dedicate her life to this medical system. She began her professional homeopathic practice in 2005, specializing in autism and immunity and is now an owner of Riverdale Homeopathy, a homeopathic dispensary, bookstore, and clinic. She is intrinsically connected with the homeopathic community, and because of her involvement and her successes, she has been featured in The Walrus Magazine and Toronto Life Magazine. Her debut film, Magic Pills, not only sheds a positive light on homeopathy, but it also exposes the negativity created by some publications and media who are opposed to the discussion regarding health and financial interests. And now, here's the interview with Ananda. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer, and today I am so, so excited. I am here with Joy, my assistant, my sidekick, and Ananda Moore, our wonderful movie producer from Canada, who we had the privilege when we were in Washington, D.C., we had the privilege of going to her movie. Her, We had a movie night, the screening of her movie, Magic Pills, and it was so exciting. And I, I didn't know what it really was about because I hadn't heard of it before then. And that's kind of the sad part because she she did this a long time ago. So I didn't even know what I was getting into when I went to this. And I was so, so impressed. In fact, as I was talking to my friend Sue today, who went with me, my daughter, um, Chriswell, had gone with me and then my daughter-in-law had gone and we had a couple of grandkids and we were so impressed with this. I, Ananda, I can't even tell you how impressed we were. But anyway, so... Ananda is here today and she is going to tell us about her movie and she is going to tell all of us how we can host movie screenings. In other words, we can have get togethers at our homes or, you know, even a public place and we can watch her movie and how we can go about doing that. So in every way, I just, I really want to help all of you understand how important I believe this film is. And I think we need to get it out as quickly as possible because there's so many laws coming down the pike in all different countries. And it makes me very fearful that we're going into this and Americans, well, everyone around the world, I know I have listeners everywhere. We don't even understand the importance of having the proper knowledge and a full understanding of homeopathy and what it is. And this movie, I was really impressed because she was not biased either way. And she presented cases on both sides of the homeopathy debate. And it was, it was exciting. I had goosebumps most of the way through this, this film. So anyway, with that, I thank you, Ananda, for being here with us. With that, thank you, Ananda. Here, just go ahead and tell us about you and your movie and how this came to be. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sue, so much for having me on your show. I'm a big fan and of your work and everything you do. 
Um, and I feel honored that you invited me to be here. How it all began. I, I mean, what I, I talk about uh, in the film, how I was very skeptical of homeopathy when I first learned about it. And I learned about homeopathy in a university course called Witchcraft and the Occult. Oh, oh my goodness. I do remember you saying something about that. Oh my gosh. And in the course, you know, you learned about witchcraft and we learned about different magical traditions and different spiritual types of things. And there was this whole essence to the course about how to think about strange things. I think that was the name of our, the title of our textbook. And it was all about being able to discern, you know, science from false information and as we know these kind of skeptic perspectives and there's nothing wrong with being skeptical I think we all need to be skeptical but we need to really be open as we're doing research so we can see what's really out there and so I learned about homeopathy this crazy belief that you could take a substance dilute it past the point where there's nothing there and then give it to someone as medicine. (laughs) And I thought people were really stupid to believe in this. And I was a big fan of spiritual work, um, Chinese medicine, energy, like Reiki, all that kind of stuff really intrigued me. And yet I, the way homeopathy had been taught to me totally blocked me and changed my perspective completely. Um, A couple years later, I was backpacking in India with this lovely German girl, and she had a homeopathic kit with her because her mom's a homeopath. And one day we were in this town called Hampi. I woke up throwing up. It was like, it was, it was bad. I was in the bathroom for a little while and she comes up and she's like, here, let me give you something. And I said, sure, I will humor you. I'll take your sugar pellets and you'll see that they don't work and that this is silly. And she gave me, I'm guessing arsenicum. I don't know what it was. Uh And within 15 minutes, all my symptoms were gone. (laughs) (laughs) And there was kind of a control group there because there were other people who were sick and they didn't improve for days. Um, I'm sure it was some kind of food poisoning or water from the camp we were at. And it kind of opened my eyes and a little bit. And I started to think about the possibility that there was something to it. Um, later, I ended up in a place called Pune. I went to see a homeopath. And he did a proper constitutional appointment, a consultation. And he gave me a remedy, which for me really changed my life. It, um, I'd been dealing with uh, a lot of depression until that point. And somehow it magically lifted. I got more perspective on life, more clarity, and those emotions were, were no longer needed or a part of me. Amazing. And that's when I decided that that's what I wanted to study. And oh. uh, I started looking for programs and I ended up in Toronto. I wasn't from here, but uh, I came here to study homeopathy. As for the film, I started to uh, get really frustrated that there was only one perspective ever shown in the media and that it wasn't just biased. They were outright lies, what they were saying. Um, I was interviewed for a couple of local magazines and publications I really respected. 
And when they published the information I gave them, I was just in shock that they said that none of the studies I had given them um, had been published in peer-reviewed journals because that was just a lie. I had given them the photocopies from the journal with the journal title, all the information right there and handed it to them. Wow. Um, and later when I called to complain and spoke with the editor, um, he talked about the narrative and how they can say whatever they want. And later he called me back and left me a message that there's no way that these studies had been published in peer-reviewed journals because they were not randomized controlled trials. Oh my goodness. And so I don't know if everyone's aware, but journals will publish all kinds of different types of studies. We can't limit our, ourselves to only one type of study because we emit all kinds of variables and understandings. Many things can show through RCTs to be effective, but because they're isolating for only one variable, when you start using that product in the real world, you can find that it doesn't work. Right. Um, and these retrospective studies that I had given them were of huge interventions, like the one in Cuba that we talked about, Brazil, India. Um, and had that been a vaccine or uh, allopathic medication, there would have been no question as to whether they were valid studies. Exactly. Um, so I was, I was really frustrated. And I really recognized at that point that we had these scientifically and medically illiterate people uh, acting as the gatekeepers, telling the general public how to think about health science exactly. and wellness. Wow. Um, I ended up also at a conference where Dr. Gustavo Bracho, who's um, at the Finley Institute, which is a Cuban pharmaceutical company whose specialty is actually vaccine manufacturing and disease prevention. And they got very interested in... Um, in exploring homeopathy, they'd seen it work effectively in Brazil and they were starting to research it. And in 2007, they had a huge hurricane that hit the east coast of Cuba and there was um, an epidemic starting of this disease called leptospirosis. Wow. And here in North America, we don't hear about it too much, but it's, uh, it's a huge threat. Everyone in Cuba knows what it is and it's 10% fatal. Um, and it happens through when there's flooding that it starts to spread to people. And it's very hard during a hurricane to keep people out of the water. Right. So, and what was interesting is that the Finley Institute is the only pharmaceutical in the world that makes the human vaccine for this disease. Wow. But they didn't have enough vaccine for the population. And it takes three months to take effect in two doses. So they felt it wasn't the appropriate response at this time. And facing this emergency situation, they said, what the hell, let's try homeopathy and see what happens. It's affordable, it's cheap, we can get it to people easily, we don't need um, cold chain. And off they went. And within two weeks, they stopped an epidemic. They got this remedy eventually to two, almost two and a half million people. Oh my goodness. And the rates of the disease went below historical rates. The following year, the entire country was hit by tremendous uh, hurricanes. It was the worst year on record. The rest of the island, the rates of leptospirosis went up 20%. And oh. the rates in this intervened area went down over 80%. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 
Now, when they went to publish, all the main medical journals refused to publish it without scientific explanations. And these are people, like these Cubans, they're not homeopaths, they're scientists. Uh, Dr. Bratch is an immunologist. And he... He, they were shocked because they're not used to that pharmaceutical lobby. They feel that if, it's, if it works, it works. We should publish it. We should look at the science. And finally, the only journal that would publish it was the journal Homeopathy. Um, in a way, it's, 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 um, it's great that it got out there, but it's unfortunate because people say that it's not a legitimate journal. When this got published, um, the people at the Finley Institute started receiving death threats uh, he had been called a bioterrorist. Oh my gosh! And he feared for his life. He didn't leave Cuba for several years because of it. Oh my goodness! Um, and I thought, no one is ever going to hear this story. This is such an important revelation, and no one will hear about it. How can we get that story out there? And wow. that's how the film was born. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And if there ever is an extraordinary claim, it's homeopathy. Homeopathic medicine is highly controversial, eliciting extreme emotions, from pure hatred to deep conviction in its capacity to heal. My name's Ananda Moore, and I was concerned about how poorly I was fact-checked and how things that I had said were published incorrectly. No, it's a piece of long-form literary journalism, which is how the genre operates. She was not a concerned mother, but a reporter. I just felt so betrayed. I felt so manipulated. Hey, I want to talk about the evidence of the science. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. (laughs) With so much at stake, I'm going to investigate the evidence, science, and use of homeopathy in the real world. We get 200, 250 cancer cases. How many clinics in the world get that many? This is my grandmother. She was discharged from the hospital in that condition. She might not live in just two, three hours more. So after that, Banerjee's medicine started. She started recovering. And miraculously, I saw one day she's sitting and watching the television itself. The interventions in Cuba were not contrived experiments. These were interventions in the real world where people were becoming unwell and dying. She's in the ward in TPC Hospital. I don't know for how long she's been there. We'll go there and find out. But she's so thin that she can't sustain vomiting and diarrhea. She just can't. It's impossible. So they kind of become self-delusional. The arguments that they use are scientifically bankrupt. The fact of the matter is that several researchers have done very sophisticated assays to demonstrate that that specific metal is in that specific remedy that started from that source material. We're not trying to fight conventional medicine. We're trying to show that homeopathy is a very useful adjunct. The current environment is viciously anti-homeopathy. But is the public narrative based on accurate science and reporting? or special interests and hearsay. And unfortunately, there's a lot of this out there. Nonsense seems to be gaining on science. That is what I mean when I say my treatment won't kill you. Their treatment might.
goodness. I, I'm just so proud of you. And, and I will say, it's when, when I met you in BC, and you came up beside me and you thanked me because we try to help support your showings or your um, screenings with um, gifts, you know, to give gifts to the, to the hostess or whatever. And you came up and you thanked me for that. Of course, I didn't know who you were. And you introduced yourself. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. And you're such a tiny, sweet, pretty little lady. And I'm like, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I expected the, you know, because you're so young. And, and anyway, so I was just so impressed with your demeanor and you're, you're just so gentle and kind and uh, yeah, I, I just was really impressed. And so I want to thank you again for for doing this film. And I don't know, um, I guess we're going to get to see, you know, you're going to tell us a little bit more about the film and how you came to make the film. I'm just going to let you keep talking, Ananda, because you're just, you're just the one. <laughs> <laughs> I do well with questions. Um, but I want to, yeah, like even to now, up to today, if anyone signs up for a screening, they can get access to one of your courses. And a lot of people have been uh, very grateful for that. And then they also use, give away the ebook at their screening with a raffle. <laughs> so if anyone listening wants to screen this film, it's a very simple process. You can go to our website, which is magicpillsmovie.com and click on the host a screening link. And there's a lovely video about what it takes to do it. And you don't need to rent a theater or book a space. <laughs> you can do that if you want. Um, but you can get a small screening license for like a living room screening where you can show the film to your friends and family. Um, and you can support the grassroots work that we're doing as well to promote um, homeopathy, to advocate for freedom, for health freedoms um, globally. So I think it isn't just about screening the film, but building a community around our grassroots and our human rights, I think. Exactly, exactly. And that's just it. That's why it was done. We were at the state capitol a few months ago fighting, you know, because the, the, a bill had come up to, you know, for about vaccines in Minnesota. Of course, we they expected a thousand people the next day. Well, I know it was over 3,500. I know because I stood in the top, on the top floor and I was just kind of scanning and um, it, and it, like I said, there was at least 3,500 people there and it was just families with grandparents and children because a lot of homeschoolers and they just, they converged on the Capitol and, and as it turned out, as I was leaving that afternoon, I was walking down the hall with a lady and I had one of my granddaughters with me and she's like, oh, so what brings you here today? She's trying to talk to my granddaughter and she just go super shy. <laughs> so I, I engaged in conversation with this gal and, and um, anyways, it, it turned out she was a very important person on the committee that day, but like I told her, I says, unless we get involved, unless we fight for what we believe, we don't have the right to complain. You know, I mean, and, and some people can be more involved than others, but we all have to fight in, in however, whatever our state of life is, we have to fight from that point and give as much as we can. If it's something that is really strong in our heart, we have to fight for it. Because if we don't, we're denying our own conscience. And um, so, you know, like I said, I just, I cannot stress enough to all of our listeners out there. And I know we have actually quite a few listeners, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Um, but I encourage you, even if you can't host a screening, um, talk to your neighbor who maybe doesn't have quite as many children as you do, or your mom who maybe has a little more time than you do. Just say, hey, guys, let's get together. We just, just the neighborhood. Let's do this. And um, yeah, so I think the fear is too, is, is a, how many people is a minimum for a screening, would you say? How many people would they have to have to have a minimum screening for the process? I usually say 10. 
But if you can't get 10, you can't get 10. But, and, and I have, I've been to some of these home screenings. We were on tour in the UK and I got to go to one in uh, Ireland. And it was amazing because this homeopath posted it on our Facebook page and uh, people shared it. And all these parents, all these mothers actually showed up. They didn't know each other. They felt very alone, actually, in their beliefs, in their uh, wanting to work with natural medicine. And it was lovely because they got to meet a group of people who thought like them and build a new community right exactly. there and then just through screening. Yeah, exactly. I know you talk about how people come together and everybody does feel alone. I was, I had gone out to South Dakota to teach this class and <laughs> at the campground, there's this, these two families, they were, they were related, huge families. They had, you know, nine, one, nine kids, one had eight, um, the eighth one was on the way. These kids were playing so beautifully. I, the gal, she's, you know, I told her who I was, what I do. And she's like, oh, so weird to meet you here. She said, my husband is a nurse and we don't vaccinate our children anymore. She said, and she goes on to tell me why. It's just like everyone else's stories. And she said, and, and she says, I just can't believe I met you out here in the middle of nowhere because it was, you know, <laughs> and I said, God works in mysterious ways, you know, and I, I gave her a card and I said, jump on our members group and, and it's just, it's fun. But yes, like you said, when you come in contact with those people, they can be your, they can be your support group. And, and when you have, you know, if you're not standing alone, you've got someone to help hold you up. And so, like I said, it's, it's very important for that, that support. So, so how does someone go about becoming a hostess or to do this in their community? Yeah, you go to our website, as I said, magicpillsmovie.com and um, land on the host a film page, host a screening page. And there's a little intake form. You just fill that out and I will respond to you with um, all the materials after that. Okay. Um, and then, so I'll, you'll get a DVD or if you're hosting something bigger and you need a Blu-ray or if you decide to use a theater and you need what's called a digital cinema package, we'll arrange all of that. You get access to a Dropbox with tons of marketing materials from assets that you can use on social media, all pre-made for you. Wow templates for press releases, um, a whole guide on how to run your screening, all of that. So we try to make it as easy as possible. And uh, we have a Facebook group for hosts so they can help you as well and support you as you're going through it. And we always respond to emails as well. So, and you know, if someone's struggling, I'll have a quick call with them. Okay. But it's, a, it's not a difficult process. It depends how big you want to go. But, you know, I call them the Tupperware party screenings. <laughs> Easy to organize, have some friends over, have a few munchies, some wine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you like wine. I know. <laughs> At the screening, we had wine there. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is way too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great reception in Washington. That was fun. And the hors d'oeuvres. Oh, my goodness. It, it, it was just, it was wonderful. It, it, was, it really was. Very I fabulous. a lot. Okay, so um, I also, Joy, you know, do we have her link on our website as well, right? We do. On the show page, I will link to that. And there's also this really great video that she had made. Um, I think Paola helped you make that video mm-hmm. and has so many great tips about, you know, how she did her marketing, how she did her screening. I mean, you could just follow that whole process and have a wonderful event, I think, okay. um, based on that video. So we'll yeah. link up to all all of that information for you. And I know a lot of people who have study groups already, 
that are at least 10, if not more. And this, this, you know, for our local study group here, I was talking to one of the ladies and I said, if we had something like this, if everybody invited a friend, we'd have like 20 people. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, and you know, I think this, this is a really good movie for those who are just like on the fence kind of, you know, it's, it's like, you kind of like natural remedies, but you're not convinced about homeopathy. And it, it really covers so much information that they're not just going to find out there on the web. And I I think if you, it'd be really great if you'd go through kind of how the film flows and, and what it's about just a little bit without giving it all away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my goal with the film was not to, um, not to be biased, but not to turn off someone who's uh, a skeptic um, to feel that they could, they could be welcome to watch the film and come along a journey where their perspective and their point of view has been addressed and they can go, yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I understand. That's what I've seen. And, you know, in the science that I subscribe to, and there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. Um, and I wanted to bring them all along on a journey of maybe I haven't heard all the science. Maybe I haven't looked at all the studies. Maybe the media has been biased. Maybe there's a publishing bias in what um, medical journals and scientific journals are willing to publish. And I mean, we know that's the case. Uh, a lot of medical journals are funded by pharmaceutical ph- uh, advertising and they don't want to publish something that's going to piss off their advertisers. So I wanted to bring people along on a journey um, to just open up their eyes and say, hmm, maybe I haven't gotten the whole story and maybe I should go and do my own research. So um, the story does start with the media attack. And here in Canada, the Canadian Broadcasting Centre, CBC, has a show called Marketplace, which is uh, like a media watchdog. And they'll take on topics like, why are pink razors more expensive than men's razors? But they've also taken on chiropractors. They've taken on organic food. Um, they've, they've taken on themes in a very biased manner. And when they came after the homeopaths, they made it all about vaccination. And they misrepresented homeopaths as anti-vaxxers. And they, the way they started this was by uh, looking for homeopaths who practiced um, homeoprophylaxis, which um, is a way we're not allowed to now make any claims around homeopathy in Canada. And we can't say that we're using homeopathy as an alternative to vaccines, but we can certainly point to the evidence around the world where homeopathy has been used to prevent illness. And it's actually being used currently right now in India across the country uh, for dengue. You know, these, People were coming to these homeopaths saying, with hidden cameras in their bags um, saying, we're going to go to a country that has a measles outbreak and we're not fully confident about vaccination yet. Can you offer us anything? Oh my. And they didn't show that in the CBC report. Rather, they showed the homeopaths offering no-sodes to their patients. Okay. They put all this on TV. Um, A good friend of mine lost her position as a teacher at the University of Toronto. Her husband was asked to step down as dean uh, because of this program that misplaced her as an anti-vaxxer. 
Um, even when the university did an independent investigation of her courses, of whether there had been nepotism in hiring her, of how the students felt, of whether she was anti-vaccine, and you know, everything came out perfectly clean, and wow. yet everyone still lost their jobs over this. So I start with the media and what we're hearing, and I start to question, is this really true? And so I go around the world to, to show and maybe challenge that perspective. Um, we start in Africa with uh, Jeremy and Camilla Scher, who are fabulous homeopaths. Uh, Jeremy's one of my favorite teachers that I've worked with. And um, they're a family. He's originally from South Africa. And as a practitioner, he was starting to have success working with AIDS patients. And he thought, wow, I would love to take this somewhere where it's really needed. And uh, after researching several locations, they moved their entire family to Tanzania. Unbelievable. And started volunteering and they set up clinics all across the country, going into Maasai villages where the people have access to no other kind of medical care. They started working with hospitals where the director of one of the hospitals they were working at, we interviewed him and he became so enamored with what they were doing and with seeing the positive results they were having with their patients that he decided to become a homeopath. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So we look at that story. Um, I look, I go to Calcutta where there's a very famous couple of homeopaths, uh, father and son, uh, Pratip and Prasanta Banerjee. Um, Dr. Prasanta, who's the elder, passed away last year, but he, he, was, he, he worked until the last day. Wow. And he, he was truly a, an inspiration. He, one of his patients was the president of India. Wow. And they have developed protocols. And I don't talk about this in the film because it's very different to classical homeopathy But I did want to show how there are different kinds of homeopathy being used and how people are having success. Right. Um, Because sometimes within our homeopathic community, some people go, no, my method is the only one and the best one. And others are saying, no, no, mine is. But going into this, I mean, clinic that's seeing over a thousand cases a day and they gave us complete free reign. I could go into any room, talk to anyone with my cameraman And everyone we spoke to had had incredible results using protocols, which aren't generally part of classical homeopathy. And they've had remarkable, remarkable successes used for treating brain tumors. That's where they've become most famous. Right. But we follow some of their patients as the, we hear their stories of their brain tumors improving. We look at the statistics of what they're achieving at that clinic and kind of compare it to what conventional medicine is able to do for these people. Um, the other story we look at is the Cuban story we've, we've talked about. Uh, and then I went to Switzerland, and Switzerland is a very unique place in the world in that um, they have uh, a lot of medical professionals practicing and researching homeopathy uh, in hospitals, uh, in medical clinics, and the the government there has it's special because they really do have an open democracy, where wow. 
they have these basically referendums or people's initiatives where the entire population can come and vote. Oh my. And they're, um, they had one of these referendums on whether to allow homeopathy and other natural medicine modalities uh, into the public health care system um, to be paid for under the public health, uh, health insurance. And most of these referendums, when you look at their history of them, are actually kind of racist and people usually vote them down. And for the first time in a long time, a a large proportion of the population showed up to vote and it was an overwhelming yes. Wow. Support natural medicine. Oh my goodness. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So in the light of what's going on right now in the U S in Australia, in a lot of Europe, like the UK, France, Spain, Germany, where um, home access to homeopathy is starting to be um, denied in a way or reduced significantly. You know, we have a country like Switzerland that's going the other way. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, the, your knowledge is is astounding, and so I, I thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you just you have you you know have your ear to the ground in all countries. So we you know we're going to have to stay in contact. You have to keep us up to date on what's going on everywhere. You, We'll have, we'll have to have a part two, Amanda. That would be great. I like that. <laughs> uh, and in your, even your your film, you're going to have to have a part two in your film. Just yeah. Well, the first one took me seven years to make. So. <laughs> but you know, you like I said, as this one gains momentum and and we can get the word out, you'll have a little more free time, and you can you know maybe get a second one out for us. Yeah, we'll work <laughs> on that. <laughs> okay. Oh shoot. So what's next for you now that this film is out? To you, like I say, I, I want you to do another film, but what are your real plan? Um, Well, I am a homeopath and I do have a clinic and a store in Toronto. So I want to focus a little more on my practice. Okay. Um, We are really, yeah. (laughs) um, I love what I do and uh, I enjoy making a real difference in people's lives, which is what it feels like. So, um, but also we're going to be releasing the film online, hopefully uh, late winter, early spring. So there's a, we're working on a campaign for that and um, looking at starting uh, some programs for online education for professionals and for the general public. So there's a lot on my plate right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can imagine, like, so you're, you're, you're very calm. Uh, sometimes methodical person, but <laughs> I can see your wheels turning all the time. <laughs> they are always turning, and I I do I am constantly thinking of the follow up for the film. But there's I still have a lot of material and a lot of stories that didn't end up in the film. We took over two hundred hours of footage, and you had to uh, bring that down to an hour and a half and be able to tell a nice story. And yet there's so, there's so many people upset with me because they welcomed me into their lives. They let me film and their yeah. stories didn't end up in the right. film. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It does yeah. definitely sound like we need a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I need the money for the sequel. <laughs> well, and, and you know, like I said, even if someone can't have a screening in the near future, um, how can our other listeners get involved in, in this campaign of what, and what you're trying to do? The biggest thing really is to join the community by going to the website and joining and signing up for the newsletter. Okay. Um, and going to our Facebook groups. So it's uh, Magic Pills Movie on Facebook as well. 
And what we do is when there's action alerts, when there's um, letters that need to be written, uh, when there are petitions that need to be signed, we send that out and we hope that, and when there's, you know, new information of what's going on with homeopathy, new research released, we send that out and hope people can educate themselves, educate people around them, get involved. And sometimes it's as easy as signing a petition and that can make a big difference and right. sharing that petition. So for okay. example, um, the Australian government released uh, a report that NHMRC, the National Health and Research Medical Council of Australia. And this report uh, was pretty scathing towards homeopathy. The report was never published in a peer-reviewed journal because of its, its methodology um, was seen as terrible and was never accepted. And this report basically said that homeopathy is not proven to be effective for any uh, medical condition. Oh my goodness. This report has been used by governments around the world as proof. We have comedians, all kinds of people speaking socially about how homeopathy has absolutely been proven. They've looked at thousands of studies and they know that homeopathy doesn't work. When the Australian Medical, sorry, Australian Homeopathic Association did a freedom of information request on the study um, to get all the background on it. One, they learned that there, besides the really flawed methodology, stuff that had never been accepted scientifically before, um, they learned that there had been a previous study done that had been buried. And they found the name of the person who had done the study and they put in a FOIA request for that first study. And the FOIA request is declined. Oh. So that's when a campaign started to release the first report. And the Homeopathic Research Institute in the UK, in England, uh, spearheaded this campaign. Um, and they needed to collect, they collected about close to 80,000 signatures, I think, globally. Oh, my. And they also hired a lawyer who um, threatened to sue the government should the FOIA request not be released. Woohoo! And uh, just a few weeks ago, the first report was released. Amazing. And that report, I haven't finished reading the whole thing, but um, its conclusions that there was very good evidence in three different, um, in three different conditions for the effectiveness of homeopathy. And really the fact is that there just isn't enough research to, to account for other conditions. It isn't that the research says it doesn't work. Right. It's rather that we don't have enough research to make a conclusion. Right. Um, but what was also interesting in reading this study was that um, the lead scientist wanted to include um, one of our top most important meta-analyses on homeopathy, which is extremely positive for homeopathy. It shows that the more, uh, the higher the quality of a study and the methodology behind it and the lower the bias, I don't know if it's bias ratio or bias, and I can't remember the term, the, the more likely it is to be positive for wow. homeopathy. And that one study was, was uh, removed from, from, <sighs> it, from this analysis, from this review, because... Um, the NHMRC felt that only studies that looked at one condition should be allowed 
early reviews, rather, literature reviews that had only been done on one condition should be allowed to be included. Oh, my goodness. Um, and there had been a whole back and forth between the scientists and NHMRC as to whether, as to how that should be um, done. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's amazing. I, I, like I said, the thing is, is so few of us know what's going on out there. And thank God we have people like you that are really trying to get the word out tonight. Mm -hmm. And um, it took every person who signed that petition to, yeah. to make it happen. Exactly. It's so. amazing. Yeah. Hey, Joy, I... I can't think of any more questions here for her, but I, I don't want to let her go either. This is Have so you interesting. talked about what's happening in the States on your show with the FDA and the draft guidance document? We've had uh, Paola on several oh, times. Fabulous. Yes, we have. But yeah. at the same time, um, you know, like say, we, we, don't, we don't talk about so much on how we're losing homeopathy. You know, we, we, yes, we're trying to get on board. I mean, you know, we're all trying to help with, with Paola with her Americans, you know, for homeopathy choice. But like I said, um, that's, that's not giving us a lot of statistics around the world. And it's not like the, the global picture, you know, that's we're fighting here in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so this global picture is really, really interesting as well, because I remember as a new homeopath and reading, I was Lyle W. Morgan's book on first aid. And it was written, I think in 1972. And that was a garage sale book that someone handed me and he starts out at the beginning of that book in his introduction, how he was in, in Europe and some, he went to the doctor because he had the flu and he didn't know he had gone to a homeopathic doctor. But in Europe at the time, the first course of anything, you went to the hospital, your first course of action was homeopathy at the time. So he goes to this homeopathic doctor and um, doesn't know it. And the doctor says, so do you have, um, do you get the flu very often? So, oh yeah, every year, just, just like everybody else, he goes, not everybody else gets the flu. Anyway, so he gave him, he gave him remedy for his active uh, acute flu. And then he told him to take these remedies when he goes home or whatever. And I just love that story. But then was that two or three years ago, they no longer in the hospital is homeopathy, the first course of action anymore. And that was only like three, I want to say three winters ago that they lost that first course of action. And it's like, and this is, like you said, it's just little bits at a time, little bits at a time, the frog in the water type of, you know, boiling water type of situation. And People don't see it happening. It's like, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about that right now because I still have my Arnica or I still have Belladonna. But we don't see the whole picture of what's going on globally. And it's just just darkening yeah. our doorway. And we need to stand up and fight and get the word out. And we have to unite around the world, not just in exactly. countries, because it is a global movement against us. I think we're such a threat um, to the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Um, we're perceived as a threat to the medical paradigm, which I don't think is necessarily true. I've been you know, to hospitals in India where there's a homeopath and an allopath working together on, in every department awesome. and collaborating. <laughs> um, so I, I, but I think we also challenge a lot of basic scientific assumptions. Right. And it's not that we're unscientific. A lot of things we're starting to see through basic science. We've got incredible physicists working on the question of how does homeopathy work. We've got chemists doing incredible work. And they're not coming up empty-handed. Right. Um, we talk about the film, how we've now found nanoparticles of source material at really high dilutions. And it's been replicated over and over in labs all over the world. Um, 
we now we have theories within chemistry, physics that could account for how homeopathy works. And even biology, as we're starting to get clear understandings of how the mitochondria work, of how cell receptors work. Um, it's not that we're unscientific. It's that we're just starting to understand these def- different mechanisms, um, right. which may be quantum, maybe electromagnetic. We're talking like quantum domains and all these things that I can't fully understand. I'm not that level of, I'm not, I don't have a PhD in physics, but I try <laughs> to follow as closely as possible. Um, and I have some wonderful people who've been able to explain some of that to me. That is amazing. Um, so, but I, I think it, it, it challenges the very, uh, materialistic worldview that it's either a chemical response or it doesn't exist. Right. Right. And a lot of the people in the skeptic community do perceive the world that way. Right. And have told themselves this narrative and anything that doesn't fall within that narrative is going to be attacked and is going to be seen as a threat. Um, and it's, you know, it's an age-old pattern. Yeah. And then you have to understand, too, that the last two generations have been so exposed to, like, media. You know, before that, we sat around in, in, in around the table, and we talked, and we, we discussed things. And, and it, was, it wasn't just us, everyone believing what the media was telling them. You know, because, I don't know, I, I know a lot of people who think it's absolute gospel, and there's no fallacy, on, you know, on the news. Or, you know, these, these discover shows or whatever. And it's like, really? You don't see any contradiction there. You, you can't, you're not going to, you're not going to look into that yourself type of thing. And this is what's just, like I said, and that's, what's been, we've been inundated for the last 30 years with, with that mindset. And, and it really is hard, you know, like I said, but, but we weren't denied the natural health. If that's what we thought, we, you know, it was fine. But now, like I said, it's, it's growing because so many people have figured out that the allopathy you know, direction is not necessarily helping their family. And so they're, they're seeking that natural realm again. And uh-oh, not that because for, you know, every illness that's, you know, waylaid by homeopathy, that's one doctor's visit, how many, you know, how many um, prescriptions. And so, yeah, it's starting to make a huge impact. And mm-hmm. so, so that's why we have to fight for what, what we want to keep in our lives. And I mean, we have to be aware that the pharmaceutical industry is, spends the most on lobbying than any other industry on the planet. Yep. Basically own the media through their advertising dollars. They have right. a lot of influence on what we see, even not in an advertisement, but on the news, uh, what is written into a television show. Um, all of that uh, affects how we see and perceive things. And it's, you know, very underhandedly being uh, manipulated by the medical industry. Oh, exactly. That's why I tell people, I say, this is so funny because, um, you know, I have, 11, like I said, 11 children and we used to sit around whatever night, you know, we always had a few favorite shows. So we, we like to make popcorn in our house. We sit around, we make popcorn and we watch, um, one of the shows we used to watch was Dr. Quinn. And, <laughs> you know, and then in that show, um, the very first episode, she goes out to get this job and they said, no, 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 no. We, we, uh, we have a man, a doctor, uh, Michael A. Quinn is coming. She goes, no, sir, it's, you know, I am Michaela Quinn. I am your new doctor. And so, but the funny thing is, um, is that the first um, homeopathic lab in the United States was started, Hahnemann Labs in California by Michael A. Quinn. 
And then later in the show, and she's always dissing, you know, the homeopathy, the powders or whatever. And she used the herbs and, you know. Um, and then later in the show, when she's asked to come to Boston to speak, how many years down the road, you know, she's, she's up in front of the crowd in Boston, in front of the whole, you know, um, convention of medical doctors. And she's, and she's got her little blue bonnet on and she's standing up there. And she says, first of all, sirs, let me tell you that, no, I am not a homeopathic doctor. I am a real doctor. You know, and that's kind of how they left us at the end of that series. And, and I, of course, it didn't mean anything to me, you know, at that time, because I, I was not using homeopathy at that time in my life, but I remembered it. And then later, I'm like, Michael Quinn, you know, oh my gosh, you know, and I went back and then I watched some of those episodes and I, I couldn't believe it. But like you said, we're being so inundated for so many years now. That's over 30 years ago that that started. And so it's just little by little, they're just whacking away at the mindset of our children. Now my children have children. And so, yeah, it's, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, like I, said, I have 36 grandbabies now, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> You're a clan. You're a clan leader. It's really interesting because they slip it in. Really. Exactly. My They're husband so and I were watching like the Big Bang Theory replays, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And there was this point where they made fun of homeopathy in it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And he said, that's interesting, isn't it? What's the directorial function behind that? You know, (laughs) we're talking about this, you know, and it's just like little things. It's like, well, we still watch the show or are you going to keep just letting this stuff be ingested by yourself, you know? And you know, the actress, I can't remember her name right now who played, um, uh, Michaela Quinn is a strong promoter of homeopathy now. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Jane Seymour. Jane Isn't Seymour. It Jane Seymour? Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I'd like to hear her story. Because everybody and has she a story. Al- she almost came to Washington. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is amazing. Because like you said, you know, everybody has a story. It's like it, like for me, it was my son when he had meningitis. I, well, I had mastitis and I was cured of that. And then when my son had meningitis and hours, hours. It was viral mm-hmm. meningitis, of course, but in the Belladonna, it just took care of it like that. And my husband wouldn't even believe me that he had meningitis. And then two weeks later, he comes home. And he's like, gray. And I'm like, what? I knew somebody died. I'm like, what? You know, he stands in the doorway and he's like, you're not going to believe this. He says, it wasn't on the news. It wasn't in the newspaper. It, nobody talked about it. But they had the school district closed where he worked for two, you know, for like two and a half weeks or whatever it was. Two boys had died from an outbreak of viral meningitis. And so then he knew, because he wouldn't even believe me that our son had meningitis <laughs> because he woke he woke up with this terrible fever and whatnot and so forth I tell the story on my podcast but the point is is it, it does work but it works quickly and everybody has their aha moment mm-hmm. you know when they see the truth of homeopathy in their life and like I said it's usually a remedy handed to them by a friend and that's how they come to um thank you <laughs> and when it happens to you you just can't deny it exactly and, um, you know, they call it anecdotal, but when we have hundreds of thousands of anecdotal cases, yep. um, that starts to become more meaningful. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what's interesting is I was watching with my daughter this, I think it was an Irish television series about were- werewolves, <laughs> and they were slipping in positive messages about homeopathy. No kidding. Like they were, t- give, like, you know, the mom would be like, oh, take the rescue remedy. And um, <laughs> what's like, they had aconite, which was like, um, 
irritating the, the werewolves oh my goodness. <laughs> and things like this that were being thrown in and it was so interesting that's funny. how you can do the exact same thing with the opposite message okay um and it changes how people will react to it you now go to the store you see rescue remedy on the counter and you're like hmm I wonder <laughs> about that they mentioned it on that show I was watching on True. tv absolutely that's just how it happened but we don't, yeah, we haven't had that here for a long time. So, so I, was, I was in shock when I saw that. And I think in the UK, for a long time, uh, the political and the public sphere was very positive towards homeopathy. Um, it's only recently that we've seen them shutting down the homeopathic hospitals um, and really, really turning on even the royal family. They love to ridicule the royal family for you know, their history with homeopathy. And uh, Prince Charles, I don't know if you heard, he just uh, stood up and uh, gave um, like royal sponsorship to the faculty of homeopathy. Oh my goodness. So it was actually a huge move because he got a lot of ridicule for it. Okay. But it was following on the heels of uh, Peter Fisher's death. Okay. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And Peter Fisher, as you know, is uh, right. the royal family's homeopath. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. Gosh. Thank you. I, like I said, no, I honestly, I don't get out much. I don't watch the news. I don't even, ch- I mean, we don't have a real TV in our house. We do have like, a, you know, it's like the streaming, some of the stuff that streams in the kids have like or Amazon or whatever. And yeah, yeah. so they can watch some of that stuff, but I don't, so I don't get the news. And if, unless I, and I don't even let it feed into my computers. So nothing pops up. I don't, and I just, so unless I have, you know, my dad will go, how can you, how can you not know what's going on in the world? I says, trust me, people <laughs> like to tell me, <laughs> you know, and if it's big enough, I hear about it. So, yeah. but yeah. you just, I just can't, I can't take in all that, you know, sadness in my life. I, you know, if it's something I need to know about, somebody's surely going to let me know, but I just, I have too much going on as well. And I like just, I like, it's easy to get down, you know, have your fights, fight them for all your worth. And let everything else go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to choose and pick. Because exactly. There's so much information out there. There's so much happening all at once. And it's a bombardment of information. No. You can't take it all in. No. You so just- I feel like I know a lot in the homeopathic community. I don't even know everything. Like there's lots of stuff going on that I'm not involved in or not invited to. But I get to go to a lot of conferences. I've, thanks right. to the film, I've met a lot of wonderful people doing incredible work. And um, yeah, I get to keep my ear to the ground that way. Yeah, when it comes to right. everything you else. Had mentioned, <laughs> you had mentioned all the different, the, the, the variety of different homeopathic, um, you know, the ways that, that our homeopathy is being practiced out there. And so I was invited to speak at the New Zealand Conference of Homeopaths. Mm-hmm. And so I, and their, their theme was the kaleidoscope of homeopathy. So I'll have to put my speech up, Joy. You have to remind me to do that. We'll have to put my speech up so that, you know, people um, will have access to that because it, it really is. It's uh, interesting. And I, I thank them. When I first started studying homeopathy, it was like, it was like almost being on the playground with like third graders. They're all, all fighting about whose way is best. And um, I was like, whoa, you know, that was kind of a turnoff for me as a new homeopath. And but now I can see the tides turning and I can see that, you know, everybody's like, hey, you know what? It all works. It, and it just depends on how the method that's easiest for you to find that correct remedy. And so, I, you know, I said, I, I was really thankful that New Zealand 
had their, you know, the kaleidoscope coming mm. out. Thank you. I love what's going on in New Zealand. And they actually, a local broadcaster purchased the film. It's been shown on TV there. I know they showed it right after, right after my speech, your magic pills was, was due to show. And I was like, that's so cool. I know. Her. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I was at a conference in Brussels last year or the year before. I can't remember now. And they called it Homeopathy One. Okay. Like Frederick Schroens and Sankaran and who else organized it? I think it may just have been them. But they brought people who all had different methodologies to dress each other. Wow. So someone would bring a case. Uh, Michal Yakira present a case on her plant method and then Shulton would come and say how he would have gotten to the same remedy using his methodology. Wow. Um, and I missed the last day because my daughter got sick. She was there with me, but they brought on a case. They took a live case and then everyone else, everyone got to, to share how they would. Uh, That's amazing. That case. It was incredible. And yeah, we're, I mean, we're having such a hard time in the world. We should be right. uniting and working together instead of fighting exactly. against each other. But, and the truth is we don't know everything about the mechanism of homeopathy. And right. so we can't, we, we know the tip of the iceberg of what exactly. there is to understand. So we can't say there's no way that someone else's methodology can't work. Right. Um, we, we have to try it, see, see what kind of results people are getting. And then make them more exactly right yeah exactly um, oh this has been exciting and I like I said I just can't thank you enough and I'm so thankful for the day that I met you every time we're exposed to something like what you're showing and presenting that gives us that verbiage that gives us that strength so that we can go out there and we can we can fight for what we believe in because yeah, we yeah. have that knowledge and that verbiage and I like to think that we're actually a majority that we're being silenced uh, publicly, but I do think the majority of people are interested in natural medicine, are feeling disappointed in what they've seen from the conventional world right. and the closed-mindedness of the conventional world. I, I think conventional medicine has a lot to offer us. I don't want to say that they don't. We've learned so much. Sure. Um, but we need to be able to work collaboratively. We need to be open to each other and we can't be silencing uh, people. And I think homeopathy is really, really empowering to mothers, which is yep. why I think what you do is so fantastic. You've got the tools to handle um, your small crises at home. Exactly. And you can be on your way to the hospital because there's something going on, but you can be giving those homeopathic remedies and work right. to resolve things before you even get to the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. Because that healing can start immediately. You know, there can be a severe injury. You give Arnica, that healing immediately begins. So that it doesn't continue to spiral downward, you know, to the place where you can't retrieve that, mm -hmm. that health mm -hmm. or that consciousness again. So yeah, it's, we need to fight for it. <laughs> yes. So keep yeah. up the good work, Ananda. I really appreciate it. And all of our members appreciate you. And um, like I said, we're going to have tons of screenings here in the near future. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sue. Thanks so much, Joy. You're very um, welcome. I really appreciate being given the venue to talk about the film <laughs> oh you're welcome you can come back anytime awesome. <laughs> oh hey sue can you have me on i need to i need there's some things i need to talk about fabulous so, i will do that <laughs> okay sounds good all right thank you everyone and may god bless you and yours 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.